the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You know, in scriptures, God sometimes uses marriage to paint the picture of his relationship with his people. So the Apostle Paul is talking about marriage. He's talking about one flesh. Then he says, I'm talking about Christ and the church. The two are related. I mentioned yesterday, as we began this new series with Pastor Layton called Family Matters, Almost everywhere I turn these days, and perhaps I should say we turn these days, we read about what matters or should matter. And as I think about the things that matter to me, I have to go back to my upbringing, to my family. That's where I began to learn about what was important and what should matter. How about you? What role did your family play in who you are today? Welcome to another visit with Pastor Leighton Sheely of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, And today he continues his series called Family Matters and his look at the relationship between a man and a woman, a husband and a wife, and perhaps a father and a mother. Here's Pastor Layton. God created human government right after the flood, long after he established the church. That brings us to the next question. Well, when did he establish marriage? Where did that come from? We have to go even farther back in history back to Genesis chapter 2. So would you turn to Genesis chapter 2? This is before the flood, before mankind's sinful rebellion in Genesis chapter 3. Clear back to the Garden of Eden. I'm going to begin reading at verse 7. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed from the land of Eden, watering the garden and then dividing into four branches. The first branch, called the Pishon, flowed around the entire land of Havilah, where there is much gold. The gold of that land is exceptionally pure. Aromatic resin and onks stone are also found there. The next branch, the second branch, called the Kihon, flowed around the entire land of Cush, The third branch, called the Tigris, flowed east of the land of Ashur. And the fourth branch is called the Euphrates. Now, some might say, well, Tigris, Euphrates, those are rivers today. Wait a minute. If those rivers exist today, why don't we just follow those rivers up to their mouth, and that'll take us right to the Garden of Eden? Well, that would make sense, except that over the centuries, the land has changed, and, 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 and the rivers don't flow where they used to flow. So it's a nice idea. It just won't work. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it, but the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat of the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Then the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. And so the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them, and the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still, there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. 
And while the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up that opening. And then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. You know, this little portion right here is really interesting because God can make a special someone just for you and then bring them to you at just the right time. In my case, God had to import my wife because she came from Yugoslavia and Croatia. And God brought her to me and brought us together at just the right time. Verse 23, at last, the man exclaimed, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. And here's the point. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. When it talks about naked, it's not just physically, it's emotionally and spiritually and relationally and everything. They were totally transparent with each other. That's what it's talking about and, and not having any shame. They weren't trying to impress each other. They didn't need to. You know, God established marriage long before he established the church and long before he established government. And it even preceded the introduction of sin, death, and disease into this world. It is the first and foundational institution, which means that all of the other institutions are in one way or another built upon it. Now, that is so important to say. I, I want to say it again. It is the first and foundational institution, which means that all other institutions are in one way or another built upon it. It's important. It's important. Now, consider how important the family is for the foundation of church and state. Listen to how the Apostle Peter describes the church in 1 Peter 3.8. You should be like one big, happy family. What kind of family? Happy. I love it when I come in, I see people smiles and greeting me. One big, happy family, full of sympathy towards each other and loving one another with tender hearts and humble minds. We should be one big, happy family. We should be family. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. You see, the church is made up of believers, disciples, followers of Christ Jesus, And when Jesus' first disciples asked Jesus how to pray, he said, I want you to pray like this. Our Father. Father. He didn't say our God, our Creator, our Sovereign. He said our Father. And because of what Jesus did and taught, we believers, the church, can approach God, our Creator, as our Father. And that's what makes us brothers and sisters in Christ. The church should be one big, happy family. And the way we accomplish that is by being full of sympathy towards each other and loving one another with tender hearts and humble minds. Now, should the Lord tarry, we want to take a more look at what the Bible instructs concerning the church as family in the weeks to come. All right, so uh, nations. Many of the uh, nations of the world began as family. You're familiar with the nation of Israel. They are the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the 12 patriarchs. There are many nations that are the descendant of Ishmael. You know, the book of Genesis chronicles the lineage of nations back to families. In fact, if you trace it back far enough, all mankind is one family. Now, some might say, well, pastor, you're obviously of some kind of European descent, and I'm from Asian descent or from Latin descent. Can we possibly be family? And the answer is yes, we can. Because all mankind is descended from Adam and Eve. Now, we might have to go back. We may have to go, like, way back. 
We may have to go back to the sons of Noah, but we are all related. We are all family. It all begins with family. So here's the point. Marriage is important. It's very important. It's the foundation for everything else. Every church is a family of families. Every nation is a family of families. And if marriage and family are allowed to decline, then these institutions will inevitably decline with it. If we lose marriage, we lose it all. Churches will crumble because they are built on marriage and family. Nations will fall because they are built on marriage and family. It all begins with marriage, and a marriage begins with a wedding. And I'd like to point out to you two very prominent weddings in the Scripture. The first is found in Genesis, when God brought the woman to the man, and he performed the marriage. Another wedding is at the end of Revelation. It's the wedding of Christ and his church. Marriage was designed to be a reflection of the saving love of God for us in Christ Jesus. And that's why the gospel helps us to understand marriage. And marriage helps us to understand the gospel. I'll say it again. That's why the gospel helps us to understand marriage. And marriage helps us to understand the gospel. Marriage is God's idea and therefore what he says about it is important. The Apostle Paul describes this connection between the gospel and marriage in Ephesians 5, 31 through 33. He wrote, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. He's quoting from Genesis chapter 2 from the very beginning. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So the Apostle Paul is talking about marriage. He's talking about one flesh. Then he says, I'm talking about Christ and the church. The two are related. And next week, if the Lord tarries, we want to delve into Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verse by verse. You know, in scriptures, God sometimes uses marriage to paint the picture of his relationship with his people. I like to quote again from James Montgomery Boyce. He wrote, In the Old Testament, we're told of the marriage of Hosea and Gomer, which from the beginning was set forth as an illustration of the way God loves and gives himself for his people in spite of their unfaithful behavior. And Gomer was like us. She was, she was married to Hosea, but she was flirtatious and soon left him for another man. Yet Hosea made sure she had food to eat and clothes to wear even when she was living with another man. But at last, Gomer sank so low that she was sold as a slave in the city of Samaria. And Hosea was told by God to go and buy her. He bought her for a 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethet of barley. At this point, Gomer became Hosea's property. Now, he could have killed her if he wished, but he did not kill her. He loved her. And now, since she was his again, he promised love for her and claimed her love for himself. This is a picture of the way the Lord Jesus Christ loves us and of how our marriages are to illustrate that great and prior relationship. 
We, we are the adulterous slave sold on the auction block of sin. He loved us when we did not love him. He died for us when we scorned his love and ran away from him. And yet still, he bought us by that greatest of all sacrifice, and we became his. Peter says you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Having become his, we now owe him the fullest measure of love. We are members of the family of God. This is Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely, teaching from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. And I'm Mike Trout. Are you a member of the family of God? If you'd like to know more about what it means to be a Christ follower, please get in touch with us. Our website is highlands.us, or you can call with any questions you have, 650-873-4095. That's 650-873-4095. If you need help during this very strange time, please call and ask. We'll try and do what we can. Have a blessed rest of your day and come back tomorrow as we'll continue this series on family matters and study verse by verse.